You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Stacey Hunky, and she is expert in executive presence and influence. She's a communication skills coach. She's an author and a keynote speaker. And her recent book, her most uh, most recent book is Influence Redefined. So we're going to learn a little bit about that and the work that she does. Exceptionally on point topic for this group, you know, service-based businesses, you know, it's so important in terms of how you lead, how you present, because all you have is your people and your ideas, right? You don't have products and stuff behind that. So I'm excited for this. I think we're going to have a lot of good takeaways. Stacey, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's always an honor. I enjoy doing these. So thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. And it's always fun. I, I get a little self-conscious being a podcast person, bringing on <laughs> somebody who's going to be evaluating my presentation and presence. But um, but I'll, I'm going to muscle through and we're going to learn some stuff here. Why don't we start with your background? So give us a sense of how you got into this. What was your professional journey? Uh, I started in radio, Bruce. I wanted to be the next Katie Couric, but apparently that did not work out. Interesting. And then after- Exactly. I was always in training and development. Probably Mm -hmm. the biggest spin on my career was I worked for a not-for-profit and I hired speakers. I was always the MC at these (laughs) You were the other side of it, yeah. Of course, yes. And I would introduce the speakers. I'd hang on to their shirt tails, have them coach me. And then I moved to Chicago, which is where I reside today. That was... 18, 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I worked for a company that they strictly worked on presentation skills. That's what they brought me in. Got it. And the cool part about that career transition was they ripped you apart big time. The coaching mm. was pretty, pretty brutal. What I didn't connect with was this idea of teaching individuals how to present on stage mm. because I always left those engagements thinking, well, they're not going to be presenting in front of a group for weeks. What I gave them, how are they going to use that? And that's when I really started to tap into this concept of our executive presence, our reputation that we create every day is about how we show up every day, how we present ourselves in every situation. Therefore, 17 years ago, we'll be 17 years this summer, we started the company. And I keep saying we because there's a whole team that supports me in this whole process. And that's really our big push is to get individuals to really be more aware of how does everyone else around them perceive them, whether it's in their personal life, their professional life. And then we really tap into every medium, every medium where we're trying to push the message through to increase the level of influence they really have. Yeah, I like that idea that it's not about creating this facade or creating this this costume that I put on when I go on stage and then I take it off and I'm yes. I'm completely different. But it's really yeah, it's a twenty four seven, three sixty five kind of who I am and how do I how do I come across? Yeah, how 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 do I show up in the world on a day to day basis? Um, and I think that's yeah. so important now because we we have so many ways that we can communicate with social media and all the technology that we've got access to. I think it's even much more critical 
to really think about how we show up in all those mediums because you really have one shot. Your listeners that you're trying to influence, they have so many yeah. messages that are being thrown at them in a day. It's making it that much more difficult to stand out from all that noise, to, to really be memorable. And I'm not just saying in your message, but how do you be memorable in the experience that people have with you? Yeah. How, I'm curious, you, you, you mentioned you started out on the other side, hiring uh, people to, you know, to fill the stage or to, to put on stage. What did you notice about the people that you were hiring in terms of how they showed up, how they took the stage, what they did on stage, what they did off the stage? Was there, were there key things that you noticed that influenced you in terms of uh, as, as you started working on the other side and helping people with that, that, that were you know, influential for you? Exactly. It. The ones who were successful are the ones that had consistency because I would interact with them from the time we started to interview them, to hiring them, to prepping them for our events and then being their MC through the whole, the whole process. And Bruce, the, the thing that I could never figure out how they would be different with me on the phone. And then I would see them up on stage and they would turn it on big time. Mm. And I always, I had a challenge with that. I, I just thought there's no integrity behind it. There's yeah. no authenticity behind it. The speakers that we hired that had the success is you'd see them on stage and you thought, oh, it's like they just invited you to their family room and they're entertaining us because it's always that consistency of that that experience. That's how I define influence. I really believe that this idea of Monday to Monday, you don't want people guessing who shows up for the podcast, who shows up for the hallway conversation impromptu and everything in between. And there's so many stories like this. I was sharing one because it recently happened, Bruce. So it's, it's on the top of my mind. There is someone here in Chicago, one of my clients who I admire and I've, I've known him for a number of years, admired him until we went out to lunch a couple of months ago. When I watched how he interacted with the service staff. Yeah, it's a classic. <laughs> it was different. And since then, I'm kind of gone the other way. And, and that's what I mean by consistency. But the good news is we really do get to decide how people perceive us, how people build a reputation around us simply by how we show up, how we stay showed up, and yeah. the message that we leave them with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm curious, you know, to the extent that, I mean, I like the idea that, that the way they show up on the stage is the same way that you, they would be if you were hanging out in their living room, you know, having a chat. Right. But uh, how do you filter or, or how do you kind of decide, like, how is this like you really bear, you, you lay bare everything about you? Or is this figuring out what pieces of it are really yeah. going to define who you are and then focusing on those things? Because like, I get a little worried that, you know, yes. if, I'm, if I'm running around, you know, swearing and cussing at home, does that mean I should swear and cuss on stage? I mean, is this, is, is this what you're suggesting? <laughs> yeah, it might not work, right? Your second comment, you, you've got to identify who you are, yeah. what you want people to say about you. How, how do you want people to feel about you? I use the example, Bruce. Most of us, when we sit at our desk in the morning, we probably go to our Outlook calendars or whatever tool we use, and you look to see who you're on the calendar with. Mm-hmm. And is there ever that name? Perhaps it's a client name. Maybe it's someone that you work with. You see them on their calendar and your your instinct is telling Call you. Call sick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, mean, I have to talk to that today. I have to interact with that today. And that's what I mean where mm. it's it's really figure out – who are you? How do you want to come across? And my whole point is, I don't care if you're a CEO. I don't care if you're brand new in your career. We all have styles and yeah. we all can truly improve how people experience you. And I say how people experience you because I think that's a big part of influence. And it determines how much influence you have and what you don't have. Now, the only way to do that, you, you need to experience yourself through the eyes and ears of your listener. 
And we, we do that through video. We do it through audio. You can do it on your phones because until then you're not going to get everything I just said. Yeah. You're not going to understand, well, wait a second. I, I want to be just comfortable at home. I get that. That's not what I'm talking about. It's more about, do you look people dead in the eye all the time? Do, do you treat people with respect no matter who that person is? Those are the concepts I'm talking about. Sure. Can you be a casual, more casual in a conversation, perhaps on a at dinner with friends and family? Yes. That's not what I'm talking about. It's really about the behaviors. Do your behaviors, are they consistent with what you're saying? Yeah. Well, and I think that feedback, that the idea of actually recording and playing back, I like, I just remember back to high school, I was a big cross country ski um, uh, racer. And, and one of the uh, most important kind of uh, coaching tools we had was actually videotape because you could sit there for an hour and have someone tell you how you weren't getting on top of your ski. And like, you'd say, Oh, I'm getting on top of it. And then you watch a video of yourself and you're like, Oh, I'm not getting on top of my ski. (laughs) So it was until you saw yourself do it. It's like, Oh, I get it. I'm walking around too much on stage or I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I've got this nervous habit or I say this word all the time. Isn't that interesting? Because you, you're doing the behavior, whatever it might be. And I I use a lot of sports analogies because you you can just relate to the whole muscle memory concept and lack of self-awareness. You're doing the behavior. You don't know it. Yeah. Then you see it on playback and there is this disconnect of, wait a second, that's what they saw. My listeners saw that's what they experienced. How come I felt completely different now that can go both ways. I've also had people that I've coached watch themselves on playback and look at me and say, that is so much better than I thought mm. it can go both ways. But I really do believe that until you take a close look and it needs to be consistent though, Bruce, I'm not talking about video record yourself today and then you're good for the, for a lifetime. Mm. It's the consistency of that as well to see what's working, what's not. And what other habits did you pick up that you think you and feel you need to change? Yeah. Well, and also I'm sure context. I mean, it's one thing to video, video a formal presentation where I'm, you know, in front of the room or I'm on stage or, you know, at the head of the table giving a PowerPoint or something versus, you know, the casual conversation with a direct report or with my boss. And, you know, the being able to capture some of those things, I'm sure, I'm sure people show up differently in those cases. They, they do. And I think that's where it's so important to see, is there an extreme difference of who you are in all those situations? That is way too much work. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's taxing. I mean, it's way too much work. Exactly. And I've seen it so many times where I'll have a good relationship with a leader. Then I see him or her, whether it's up in front of an audience or maybe I'll observe them facilitating a meeting and, and they're different people. Yeah. And I'm not sure why that happens. If we feel like, well, I'm on stage, I need to turn it on. That there's definitely different skill sets and different messages and how you deliver that message for all different mediums. But I'm going deeper than that. And and that's where I use, you use skiing, you know, any professional skier, there's a certain way you always clip into your skis or your snowboard. That's standard. And there's, there's definitely core skills in my book that that's what I'm referring to. There's got, there has to be a core to who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Are there pieces, I mean, I, I, I get the idea is that you want to have a certain amount of integrity or consistency across these different things. Are there cases though, or, or are there, what parts of it do sort of shift? Because, you know, I mean, certainly having a casual conversation with an employee over lunch versus being on stage, th- those are, you know, fundamentally different environments. What pieces do change or what are okay to change that aren't going to run into this case of you've got, you know, this uh, work to do to sort of shift yourself, but but are appropriate to make in, in those two cases? And a lot- a lot of it's your delivery, Bruce, because if mm. you think about when you're on a stage, whether you have microphone or not, you still have to be bigger. 
Yeah. If you're talking to 50, 100 plus people, your body language itself, like how you move on that stage, how your gestures, what do they communicate? Now you have more people to look at, which is where that connection comes into play. Now that you have so many different personality styles, you have to give. I think you have to make sure you're very particular about the type of stories you tell, the examples you give, the, yeah. the volume, the voice. That's where it's different. So, so I'll give you an example, Bruce, yeah. and this is going to seem so elementary. We talk a lot about brevity, saying less with more, right? We've, we've mm-hmm. heard that for years. Yet a lot of us don't like to pause. We love to talk in paragraphs rather than sentences. <laughs> <laughs> and the concept of if you're talking to someone who is you're one-on-one and they're very direct. They want to get to the point. You know, I think of a lot of my CEOs, they don't have time. Well, my sentences are going to be even that shorter. The pauses, I'm really going to be utilizing those to be constantly thinking on my feet, to think about what is he or she saying to me to make sure that I honor their time and I deliver a message they resonate with. Mm-hmm. And now I'm in front of a large group. The pause is a little different. I'm using the pause not only to continue to think on my feet, but now to watch 50, 100 people. Are they getting it? Are there some that have that look on my their face of, come on, get on with it? Or that totally went over my head. I need to throw an analogy in to, to, to get them to really connect with my concepts. Yeah. So you see that, that the pause is a core skill. It's You need to adapt it. And that's, I think, where it gets tough. That's where influence can get a little complicated. Yeah. And how do you do that? I mean, I guess I, I certainly, you know, personally, have, you know, it's always something I think about and I see a lot of, you know, speakers do this or, 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 you know, I see a big difference in the speakers that I watch, Um, you know, one-on-one, I think it's easy to kind of build that connection um, or hopefully I think it's easier, you know, but when you're in front of, you know, even, you know, 50 people, you know, it's now how to make that connection. And I've seen such a difference between speakers that Mm. are, you know, it feels like they're talking to me personally. And yeah, some, yeah. it feels like their the room could be empty and they wouldn't change. You know what happens there? What is what are the dynamic differences? I have a long pause here, Bruce, because there's there's so many concepts I could throw your way, but I want to make this really simple. Yeah. I think the first one with a large group is the level of interaction that you have. Okay. And it can be the, the throwback question, right? Throw a question out there that people need to respond to. It's getting them to to interact in the answers that they give you. It's using the pauses to throw in an extra story or an analogy that you didn't plan for, but you can tell that they need more behind the concepts. Yeah. So the interaction to me is the big part. The more you can interact, the more you can get your audience talking, the more you understand what do they need, what don't they need, and how can you adapt your message on the fly. Yeah. And how do you get, how do you develop that? I mean, is this just a question of having your content down cold? Is this, you know, being trained in, you know, the body language, uh, you know, systems? I mean, how how do you get to that level of mastery of of uh, attention, of keeping the audience's attention. Yeah, it, it definitely, it's it's the mastery of the practice, right? Yeah. That's the other part that makes this tough. And my concept earlier where I said I didn't believe in the presentation skills training, I don't believe in that because they teach you how to present, that one-time medium, just how yeah. to stand up on stage and present. Yeah. My whole concept, if I was working with someone and I needed to increase their level of interaction, I'd be watching how they interact in meetings. I'd be watching how do they interact over 
the webcam or over virtual conversations. Because when you can do, when suddenly the level of interaction or pauses become your day to day, you and I both know this, Bruce, no matter what medium that you're in, especially a high stakes one, like a board meeting or a presentation, suddenly you're not thinking about, oh, I need to interact. Oh, I, I forgot to pause. I need to pause now. That's when it becomes an absolute cluster. And when I say cluster, you really start getting people to guess your level of authenticity and trust. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important. I think that, you know, this isn't just about being on stage. I mean, this is the any time you're trying to communicate, you know, whether it's professional or at home or personal with friends, any time you have a point to make, any time that you want to have influence, that you want to have communication happen, you know, get a point across that these things are important facets to, to your success. Exactly. But it's doing it all the time. So it goes back to the athlete. I'm thinking about the Masters. Did you see the Masters? I did. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I wasn't there in person, but I watched it on TV. Right. (laughs) Exactly. We all, at least we, most of us have all heard about it. And think about how much Tiger Woods must have practiced before that event. Yeah. Yeah. And, And we're like athletes. The difference between you and I versus an athlete is every day for us is game day. Yeah. And especially your listeners, when you're sharing with me what your audience is, well, they're they're constantly in the spotlight. I would imagine they're constantly being evaluated. Yeah. And and the higher up that you crawl on that corporate ladder, the camera is always on. Yeah. People are always watching you because they're trying to figure out by your body language and how you interact with people, what do you say? How do you do that? How did you get to your position? And that's something that we just forget. We forget like an athlete that the true key to anyone who's influential, which to me, that means they're successful. They are constantly practicing. It doesn't just fall out of the sky and hit them on the head one day, but they're constantly deliberately practicing and getting constructive feedback on how they're developing, what's working and what's not. Yeah. So if I'm if I'm an executive you know, early in my career and and you know moving up the ladder and I'm thinking about these things, is this uh, you know is this like I need to go to a boot camp and now I have it and I'm good? Is this something <laughs> that you know every Tuesday at two o'clock I need to spend half an hour? Is this like before I go to bed I do an imaging thing? Like how I look practically? Yes. How do you start to work on these things? I'm going to make it super easy because as an executive, no one has time, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Your life is insane. So here's where I make it super easy. The hardest part is turning on the consciousness. So if you think about pauses, I'll use that since we've been using that, Bruce. Yeah. Think about how many times in a day you could be practicing that skill. Yeah. Like all the time, right? It's not about carving out two o'clock on a Tuesday on your calendar because that's not going to work. So it's consciously thinking about when you're in a conversation for that two minutes, think about your word choice. Like really focus on that. Then the next conversation, someone catches you in the hallway, think about what your posture communicates or your gestures just for two minutes. And when, you, when you're incorporating these skill sets constantly, That's where the new norm sets in. Now, the kicker, though, is going back to making sure how you're coming across is real. I always Mm -hmm. recommend for anyone to start. First thing to do, I challenge your listeners in the next week, audio or video record themselves. Try it a couple of times. And then when you watch it, you're really paying attention to how did I come across verbally and non-verbally rather than how I felt. Number two... Get someone that you can trust, in, whether it's your personal life or your professional life, that is really going to tell you the truth. And I always talk about prepare for the feedback. Therefore, before this podcast, Bruce, or this interview, if I would have asked you, here's what I'm working on, would you coach me after the interview? And we'll just spend five minutes for you to give me feedback. The more that you can prepare the feedback, the more you're able to use it. Otherwise, you're going to hear a lot of people telling you how great you are. When you ask them that magical question, <laughs> yeah. how, how did I do? It was great. Yeah. 
Oh, it's so true. It's, listeners could just start with those three, Bruce. They're, they're farther ahead than they were when they first start listening to this interview. Yeah, I love it. I, one of the things I do with the leadership teams that I coach is we will usually each month or each quarter, each person identifies one thing that they're working on. So one area wow. of development and, and you make it okay for everyone else on that team to give you feedback on that. So if you're working on the pause, you say, look, this month or this quarter, I'm working on pauses. I would like each of you to give me feedback after we meet, you know, on how I'm doing with the pauses, what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. And I think that it just creates this, this culture of everyone is learning, everyone's improving and feedback is the key to getting that. So I want feedback. The other thing we do, I say, you know, we, we do all this training on how to get feedback and like, how do I phrase it and all this stuff. The one that I like to focus on is how to receive feedback because so much of, of the problem is that I give feedback to somebody, but they don't know how to accept it and they don't know how to process it. So we, you know, I train them on how to receive feedback, how to, how to say thank you, how to get clarity and how to figure out how you're going to incorporate it into your work. And because I think that's, you know, feedback is great, but unless I can li- really use it, I can demonstrate to somebody I can really use it, I'm not going to get it. Exactly. And Bruce, I mean, there's been numerous times when I'm on a call, a sales call Uh with a potential new client. We're getting ready to to land a session of some sort. And I'd share with them how we do the feedback. At times, there'll be a long pause on the phone. The individual who I'm selling to will say, you need to be careful with your feedback here. I'm like, really? What, What do you mean by that? Well, our leaders believe that we've worked hard. They've worked hard to get to the position that they're at. And we just, we don't believe in the feedback. I'm like, interesting. And I hear that more than you'd be surprised. I, I, sorry, say that again. I'm not sure we could understand. So this is, yeah. this is a, the person that's hiring you to yes. work with an executive that they're yes. telling you that that executive has decided or they have decided that getting feedback to the ex- executive is not culturally appropriate or is it something Correct. they don't want to? Wow. Correct that they look at feedback as something is wrong. And in my approach to it is, no, as a leader, you understand that you are constantly developing your influence or whatever you might be developing. And the only way to do it is through feedback. And sometimes it's very hush-hush. They don't want me to tell anyone who I'm working with. And I'll ask them, well, why don't you want people to know? Because I look at it as, that's just going to grow your credibility yeah. as a leader yeah. that your team realizes this is a work in progress. Yeah. I think maybe that's where the feedback of the nice job, great job, great work, because we don't want to necessarily always give it or we don't know what to say. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on or kind of opinions on you know kind of corrective feedback versus reinforcing feedback? I mean, kind of the uh, technically, I'm not sure it's right, but positive versus negative feedback. I mean, what's your what's your sense on on when to use which percentages? You know, are there preferences? How do you actually use feedback, or what, what are your strategies around giving feedback? Mm-hmm. Don't sugarcoat it; it'll make it worse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just tell feedback it how it sandwich. Is. That feedback sandwich that, not so effective. I don't believe in that, and I, I I used to teach that back in the day. Oh yeah. <laughs> if feedback to me is it there has to be some balance. I mean, it can't all be bad either. You're you're just going to rip someone apart. I can only talk from experience of how I coach executives and how I coach my team. And my team knows that you can't be perfect. So there's always something that we will give each other that aids to you can be better. And here's how. I think it's the less we say, the more impact it has. It's being very careful with leaving out too many of the word but because where you place those, it's like a slap in the face, depending on how you're sandwiching that word in. I think to me, it's my, my, I go back to my, my dad used to always say to me, you'll never lose if you just tell the truth. Yeah. Like nothing bad can happen if you tell the truth. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to hear. And if this is adaptability, if I've got someone on my team that I know I have to be gentle with, 
wow, ever you define that. And I don't, but if I had someone mm-hmm. on my team that I need to be gentle with, I'm not going to just jump in and say, okay, here, here's not working. I may talk about, here's where I see your authenticity comes through. Yep. Where I see there's conflict, where people start guessing how authentic you are, it's when you do this. I like that. I hope that example helps. Yeah, no, it does. <laughs> and I, I'm thinking through the, the gentle or the sensitive thing. I, you know, I think one of the things that I do in that, which I think has been helpful, is it's really, for me, it's more around the prep than the actual delivery or the, the thing that I'm trying to say is I, I really try to make sure that the person is, you know, open and ready to hear it. So I, I may even start with, hey, I have some feedback. Is this a good time? Or, yes. you know, or, you know, do you want to hear this now? Or I may even lead up to it, say, hey, I have some feedback on this presentation and your use of pauses during it. You know, like I'll, I'll kind of give them time to kind of get themselves in the right spot to be able to receive it. So it's for me, it's less about how do I sugarcoat it? It's more of, you know, how do I contextualize it or, or make sure that they are ready to receive it in a way that's going to be, that they're going to be able to use it rather than react to it. That's it. Yeah. And get the commitment to from them. I think as long as it's, it's a two-way conversation, I know that might not apply to every situation when you're yeah. giving someone feedback, depending on what you have to give them feedback on. Yeah. I think when it can be a two-way conversation, you're also getting commitment from them and they're owning their feedback to most likely hold themselves accountable. Yeah. No, I like that. What are some of the common challenges? I mean, if given the work that you've done with lots of executives and and different positions and different types of companies, what are the sort of the typical things that people struggle with and what are some some strategies or things they can do to help be more aware of it and and improve Mm -hmm. upon it? I think the, the first one, and you just said the word awareness, the first one that we've tapped into here and there in this interview is first that the lack of self awareness, I'm blown away how they, we just don't know. And I fall into that same realm. I'm just as guilty as everyone else. Mm -hmm. How less are where we are. And once you can increase the awareness, now changes can start to occur. So that's number one. The second is something that you and I have already talked about, Bruce, and that's brevity. We say way too much. And it's just simply giving yourself that permission to end your sentences with that pause, using that pause to trust your competence. You will know what to say if you just gave yourself permission to take time to do it. And I'm not saying pause for 10, seven seconds by any means. Mm -hmm. You'll be surprised how quickly you can think on your feet when you're not trying to multitask by the constant chatter. The second is the inconsistency of body language with messaging, where the message will convey one message, one meaning, and the body language is contradicting that. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. That would, those are, I want to always try to keep it into threes, right? Those would be the top three basically people struggle with. And all that is, you can't even learn from me just saying that right now in this interview. You physically have to go back to my recommendation of start recording yourself, make that your first step. Yeah. It's funny. You, you mentioned the the pause. I think of um, a coach uh, years ago that had me do this exercise. I, I had to I had to create pauses around what I was doing to the point of discomfort. <laughs> you know, okay. so every every pause that I use, I had to I had to wait till it was just awkward and then I could start the next, you know, point. You know, it was just and the whole idea was is that you have to get used it, typically we're overly sensitive to that space and yes. And becoming more just comfortable, more okay with having that that space, that gap, and not feeling like we need to fill every single second of our conversation was really interesting. It really it gave me some really great awareness and tools. And and we did some videotaping around it. And I thought like you would do it, and I thought it was like fifteen seconds, right? And we time it, it was like two and a half. 
Isn't that why? It, it, and I still experience that. I have a speech coach who, in fact, I just sent one of my videos to before before mm. our interview today. So I am waiting <laughs> for how much he's going to rip that apart. Someone once told me, they go, it, it will never get easy. This concept of building your influence through your body language and messaging, it will never get easy. You only get better. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like it. So, so who who are you working with these days? I mean, what's your what, yes. what's your target kind of people? Are you typically helping? What does your engagement look like? What kind of results are you focusing on getting your your uh, the people you work with? Yeah, we don't focus on a particular industry. Okay. We focus more on positions within industries. We work a lot with director to the CEO as well as sales professionals. That tends to be our sweet spot. Not that we don't work for anyone else because everyone communicates. Our clientele list is vast. We tend to really tap into the large corporations and your listeners can see it on our website, so there's no secret. But some of the big guys that I'm sure your listeners are aware of are nationwide. Gosh, and I'm, I'm stumbling. Deloitte <laughs> is a big client of ours. Yeah. A FedEx. Sure. So we really turn Recognizable names, companies. yeah. Yeah, recognizable yeah. names. Our impact is really through the videotaping and it's the way that we coach. I have a team of instructors that deliver all of the workshops for us. Got it. And I think a lot of it's their style. I, I know they're doing a good job when the client says, our leaders have never been off their phones this long. What are you doing? <laughs> and that's, that's a pretty common feedback. Yeah. Our clients also say, you make it look so easy. They make yeah. it look so flawless. And I'll yeah. say to them, that's years of practice right there. Yep. And they're yep. definitely walking the talk. So we do it all through my keynotes. We do it through mentoring. We've talked a little bit about that today. Mm -hmm. And we do it through a lot of workshops because we're trying to tap into all the different learning styles and what works best for the client. Sure, sure, good. So if people want to find out more about you, about the work that you do, what's the best place to get that information? Thanks for asking that. We yeah. are big into being a resource. I, I never sell on social media. I, I truly am there to be your accountability partner from afar if you if you choose to. All of that connection through social media is on our website, which is Stacy with an E-Y, H-A-N-K-E-I-N-C.com. Great. I will make sure that that link is in the show notes so so people can cl click through and get that. Thank um, you. And I'll reiterate your challenge uh, for the folks listening. Uh, do the videotaping <laughs> to try it. Yeah. See what you notice because I've done it before. It is very enlightening to see yourself or to hear yourself present, uh, you know, whether it's formal or informal. So uh, good advice. Stacy. thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. Uh, great conversation. I've learned a lot. I know our guests have as well. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you too. Thank you for making it so easy. And I wish all of your listeners nothing but success. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>